We have all had painful events in our lives that can lead to depression, anxiety, addiction, or broken relationships. But here's a secret. It is not about what happened to us that causes suffering. It's the stories we believe about ourselves. Join us as we shine light on how to rewrite our stories, avoid the shadows of shame, and travel along the pathway to joy, love, and connection. It's the Finding Peace Podcast with your host, Amazon best-selling author, Troy L. Love. Hello, and welcome to the Finding Peace Podcast. Today, we're going to change the format just a little bit. Usually, I either have a guest or I share a story that leads into the question of the week. But today, we're going to start with the question. And the question is this. What makes it so hard for me to want to change my life? When I was about 22 years old, I had just moved home after being away for a while and I was living with my mom and I didn't have a vehicle. I was using my mom's car. My grandpa, who is an awesome guy, wanted to help. He didn't have a lot of money to be able to help me with a car, but he wanted to be able to help me have some kind of transportation because I was going to be traveling to college back and forth and I also was going to be going to work and I needed a vehicle and my mom's car wasn't going to be available and I didn't have a job yet. I was still working on finding a job. So there was no income for me and my grandpa knew that in order for me to be able to have a job, I was going to need to have some transportation. So he found a car and he took me to go buy it. This car was brown and tan. And we took it for a test drive. It was $800 maybe. So not the greatest car in the world as far as condition is concerned, but it seemed to drive okay and it was going to work as far as transportation was concerned and so my grandpa bought it for me and I took it home. Well, I called the car the spy car because honestly no one would guess that a spy was driving in it because it was so beat up and trashed. Very soon, within a week after my grandpa bought me the car and I'm driving it around, it began to have problems. It began to have electrical problems and I was taking it into the shop and they were trying to figure out why it was not working. There were things that would not go well and the car would shut down and so I'd have to pay money to get it fixed. It would run for about a week and then something else would go wrong. The alternator stopped working and so we replaced that and then the starter stopped working and so the when he had, we had to replace that. I remember one night, it was late at night, I had just gone on a date with someone and I had dropped her off and I'm on my way home and my car is going 15 to 20 miles an hour on a 55 mile an hour stretch of road. I have my foot on the pedal, push all the way down and that is as fast as my car is going. The spy car is not going very well. And so back to the shop it went. It was clearly l worth less than the $800 that we paid for it. And I was putting probably two to $300 every other week into the car to try and get it fixed. And so I had to figure out what in the heck was I going to do with this car because it's clearly not the reliable form of transportation that I thought it was going to be. I want to use this analogy for why we really struggle to make changes. There are five stages of change. The first is the pre-contemplation stage. 
And in this stage, we are thinking that a change needs to be made. We're even thinking that maybe it would be a good idea to make this change, but that's all we're doing. We're just contemplating it. We're just thinking about maybe possibly a change needs to be made. The second stage is the preparation stage, where we've identified that yes, the change does need to be made, but I'm not ready yet to commit to making the changes, but I'm willing to prepare myself to build up to making those changes. The third stage is the action stage, and in this stage, we are ready to commit to doing what it takes to change the things that we need to change. The fourth stage is the maintenance stage, which is I've made the change, things are good, and now I need to continue doing what I need to do in order to make sure that this change stays, that I don't fall back into past behaviors or harmful behaviors that lead me back into that place where I don't want to be. And the final stage is the termination phase where we have finally achieved what it is that we need to do and we don't need to continue working on that anymore. So at the beginning, when my grandpa bought me the car and within about a week it was having problems, I was in the pre-contemplation stage. I thought, you know, this doesn't seem to be probably the greatest car in the world. Maybe one day down the road, I will eventually be able to get another car. But right now, it's working for me and it seems to be okay. Plus, I really don't have the money to be able to go buy another car. And so I'm just going to continue driving the car that I'm driving and I'm just going to hope for the best. But after about two months of the car continuing to have problems, I moved into the preparation stage, began to think, okay, this car is not working well and I am now investing more money than I need to into this car. What can I do to stop having to drive this car around? I had no money in the bank, finally got a job, so that was awesome, but I didn't have a whole lot of money in the bank. I didn't know quite what to do, but I've started to explore what were my options? What could I do to maybe change my form of transportation? When I'm driving on that road on that 55 mile an hour freeway and I'm only going 20 miles an hour and there are cars honking at me and I'm really embarrassed and I'm, I'm hoping that nobody pulls me over because I'm going so slowly. That's when I finally decided something has got to change and I moved into the action stage. I was willing to commit. I probably made a dumb choice because I went to a dealership and I bought a brand new car, which financially is probably one of the worst investments that I could have made. But I was able to trade the car in for $150. Oh my goodness, that was awesome. I was able to trade that in. And I drove away with a brand new car. It was a really small car, but it was what I qualified for. And so I bought that car and all of a sudden all my car problems were gone. Now, instead of paying $200 to $300 a month in car maintenance, I was paying $150 a month for my car payment. I was in that action stage. I decided I'm going to take action and I committed and I signed a loan and that was my commitment. I was now driving a car that worked well for me and it worked for several years before we ended up selling it to my mother-in-law. By making the payments, I had entered into the maintenance stage and every month I was making those payments so that I could continue to keep my form of transportation and not have it impounded or, or taken away. So I remained in the maintenance stage until such time that I sold the car and then it was the termination stage. I didn't need that anymore. 
So that's the analogy, this car. But I want you to think about what kind of changes do you want to make in your life? And where are you at? What stage of change are you in? And then we'll talk about what that means. So the first set of questions are about the pre-contemplation or the contemplation stage. Do you think that you have a problem that you want to change? Absolutely yes. Probably you do. Not sure if you have a problem or absolutely not. The second question is, are you clear about why you want to change? So as I take a look at my car situation, do I think I have a problem with my car? Absolutely. Absolutely I do. Are you clear about why you want to change? Yes, because I am tired of that car breaking down every other week. I'm tired of putting money into it. So I'm pretty clear about that. So I check, check on the pre-contemplation stage. I am I'm aware that there's a problem and I know why I want to change it. So as you take a look at your issue that you're trying to work on, do you think you have a problem that needs to change? And second, are you clear about why you want to change it? Now let's move into the preparation stage. Are you willing to make a commitment to change within the next month or so? Are you willing to take action to do something within the next 30 days to change? Yes, maybe, not sure, absolutely not. Do you know what steps you need to take in order to make this change? Have you told other people about your desire to change so that you can elicit some support from them? This is the preparation stage. How willing are you to commit to making a change? Maybe you're still contemplating, yeah, I think it does need to change, but I'm not willing to make that commitment yet. I think about when I realized that I need to take better care of my body. When I was 30 years old, I definitely knew that I probably should eat healthier, but my I still had a really high metabolism at that time felt like I could pretty much do whatever I wanted to do health-wise, and so I wasn't in a place where I really felt like I needed to commit. But now that I'm in my 40s and I am experiencing some health concerns, that has now bumped it up. I'm a lot more committed to making the changes that I needed to make than I was 10, 15 years ago. So as you take a look at what is the change that you feel like you need to make, are you willing to make that commitment? And if you're not, then ask yourself, why are you not willing to make that commitment? The second question in this category is really important. Do you know what steps you need to take in order to to make that change? And that's a really critical question because I might know that I need to make change, but if I don't know how to do it, then the chances of me actually making the changes are relatively small. So if I don't know how, then where can I go to learn how? For me, with the car, I knew that I was willing to make a commitment because I didn't want to continue pouring money into a car that wasn't going to drive. And I knew that I needed to at least go take a look at some cars. At that time, the only option that I thought was available was going to a car dealership. Looking back now, there were many other options that maybe I could have taken, but I wasn't aware that those were choices at the time. So I did what I knew to do. That other question about how you have you told friends and family about your desire to change, I really didn't talk to anybody about that. I just was trying to make this decision on my own because I thought as a 23-year-old, that's what a grown-up does. So I was just going to make decisions on my own. But in this preparation stage, it's really important 
to be able to find out who can who's in your life that you can reach out to run some stuff by explain to them hey this is a change that I want to make in my life and I'm wondering if you're willing to support me so regardless of the change that you're wanting to make how how much support do you have and are you willing to reach out and be vulnerable and ask for help the next stage is the action stage do I have a strong commitment to take the steps necessary to change yes Maybe, absolutely not. For the car, absolutely. I had a, car, a strong commitment because I could no longer live and drive the way that I was. That was not going to work for me. So my commitment was strong. I was so committed that I went down to the dealership and signed a loan in order to get a new car. Other questions that will go with this stage are, do you need to change the people that you hang out with or the places that you visit or the things that you do to help you with this change? Are there actions that you need to take? Are there changes? Do you need to change your schedule? Do you need to be able to stop going to certain places or stop doing certain things that make it easier for you to continue on the path that you're going on? So this is an important question about what kind of things do I need to do with my environment to help me be successful? Do I need to learn to control my thoughts as it relates to change? When we're looking at changing how we care for ourselves or changing parts of ourselves that we don't like, are there shadows of shame that we need to learn how to become resilient to? Are there negative core beliefs that we really need to change? And if the answer is yes, then let's take a look at that. If there's not, well, that's fantastic. That will make it easier for you. But for a lot of us, there are negative core beliefs and shadows of shame stories that we really need to take a look at and change. Do you need to address the way that your old behaviors have impacted your family and friends so that you can increase the likelihood that you're going to stay on the trajectory of change? What this question is asking is, have your behaviors caused other people harm? Has it had a negative impact in their lives? And does having an awareness of that help you stay on the trajectory of saying, I don't want to continue to cause harm to the people that I love. I don't want to continue causing harm to myself. And so I really am willing to make this commitment. I know that when I was dealing with my anger issues and my depression issues, I knew that it was having an impact on myself and my family. And that was part of what led me to make the commitment to go to therapy. I needed to go to therapy because this could not continue. This was going to cause harm to the people that I loved. And I didn't want that anymore. I was tired of causing harm to other people. And so I needed to address the effects of my behaviors so that that helped push me into making the changes that I needed to make. For the car, it really wasn't having that much of an effect unless you happened to be a passenger at the time when the car shut down. And then, yeah, that had an impact. That was impacting other people. It was inconvenient to them, but it was really impacting me. And so I was absolutely committed to making that change. Do I need to address my emotions in order to increase my chances of change? That's another really powerful question because oftentimes when our wounds get triggered and our negative core beliefs are activated, emotion shows up. And that emotion can really lead to us feeling apathetic, discouraged. We don't feel like doing the changes that we need to make. And so this is an important one to address. 
do you need to address those emotions? Do you need to find a way to work through those so that your change can be efficacious? And are you willing to participate in self-help groups or reach out to other people for social support to increase your chances of being able to maintain these changes? One of the things that I talk a lot about when we're dealing with attachment wounds is the importance of connection. Why it's so important to have these connections is because that's what helps us be able to maintain the commitments that we've made for ourselves. When we try to do it all by ourselves, it's harder to maintain that tenacity, that sense of encouragement. One of the things that I work on every day or my dailies, I'm working on something to take care of myself physically, socially, emotionally, and in other ways. And so there are certain daily actions that I take. But I got to tell you that some days I just don't feel like it. And so when I'm doing it all by myself, it's really easy for me to give up and say, hey, I'm not going to do my dailies today. I'm just going to slack off. But what I found is I have an accountability partner. And every day my accountability partner sends me how he's doing on his dailies. And that ups the ante for me of wanting to return the favor. There were many times where I had an accountability partner who didn't follow through, and so it made it really easy for me to stop following through as well. But when I have an accountability partner who is adamant about making changes in his life, and he's willing to send those to me, it makes me want to be more adamant in sending them to him. It encourages my consistency in the action stage, continuing to do what I need to do in order to have the trajectory of change that I'm looking for. In the maintenance phase, do you know the warning signs of when you start to slip back into old behaviors? And do you have the strategy to help you cope with them before you start to slip? But as I look at the other kind of changes in my life, am I able to recognize when I'm starting to engage in behaviors that maybe are going to cause me problems? In the addiction world, we call these middle circle behaviors. The outer circle behaviors are the behaviors that we do that are really healthy, and, and and help us stay on track. Middle circle behaviors are kind of the edgier, sketchier behaviors, but they haven't led to a full-blown relapse. And then the middle circle behaviors are relapse behaviors. So do you know the warning signs of when you're moving from outer circle into middle circle behavior? And do you have the strategies to help you be able to cope with these before you enter into the middle circle behaviors? When we're looking at change, whether we're trying to lose weight or decrease or stop anger behaviors or whatever those happen to be for us, do we know what triggers us? Are we aware of those wounds, those attachment wounds that lead us to falling back into old behaviors of numbing? And do we have a strategy to be able to do that? If you're in the maintenance phase, it will be really important for you to know what those are so that you can be aware of those and having that accountability where you can reach out to somebody and say, hey, I've been engaging in some of those middle circle behaviors and I really don't want to go over there. So I, I really need some support. Do you know what wounds trigger you to make you want to stop your trajectory? Do you know what wounds really get smacked and do you have strategies to cope with those? How aware are you of when your wounds get smacked and how many strategies and tools do you have in place to help you? Do you know what steps to take should you actually slip into old behaviors? If you find yourself slipping into old behaviors, for example, if you were trying to eat better and you stopped eating better, do you know what steps to take in order to get you back on track? 
One of those steps in particular is the self-compassion tool of being kind to yourself. When we slip, at least for me, when I slip into old behaviors, it's so easy for me to slip right into that shame. Those shadows of shame beat me up and tell me that I'm not enough. Do I know what to do when I start to fall? And can I take steps so that I can begin to practice self-compassion? What I've learned is that self-compassion really helps me be able to get out of that funk a lot faster than me trying to shame myself. Shame doesn't really motivate me to change at all. And the last question is, how imbalanced is your life in general? I found that when my life is out of whack in one way or another, that really makes it harder for me to maintain the activities and the dailies that I need to help me stay grounded. So reaching out and talking to people about when my life is out of balance, making plans to change those are part of what's helpful. Tony Robbins said that really there are only two reasons why we do anything, to avoid pain or to experience pleasure. So as we're looking at these different stages of change, what we're also taking a look at is the pain to a point where I can't take it anymore and I want to do something about it, or is the pleasure of making that change enough for me to be willing to go through the pain necessary to experience that. If we are in the pre-contemplation mode and we really want to move to the preparation or the action stage, one of the things that helps us is to identify how painful is it for me to just stay in this pre-contemplation stage. What's it going to cost me physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially to stay in this state? And am I willing to move out of that, even though it might be temporarily more uncomfortable? How much more painful will it be for me to stay in the state that I'm currently at? One of the tools that we use to help people facilitate their change, we have them look at what will happen if they don't make the changes that they want to make in the next five years. How will their life continue to spiral down into painful moments? What will be like 10 years from now, 20 years from now? Conversely, if you make the changes, what will your life be like five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now? We're trying to leverage that pain and pleasure to help us find a greater sense of meaning and motivation to make the changes possible. For me, with the car, I finally decided that the pain of driving the car was more intense than the pleasure that I would get from driving another car. And so I finally was willing to go down to the dealership and sign a car loan, which was painful, but that was less painful than driving the car and being stranded every other week. So where are you at? What kind of changes do you want to make in your life? What stage are you at? And do you have the tools and support systems in place to help you move through these stages so that you can find the success and happiness and joy that you're looking for? I'd love to hear from you. So please send me an email. You can send me an email to troy at troyllove.com. I'd love to hear where you're at with your changes that you're making. I'd also like to hear... If you have any questions for the podcast that you'd like me to address, I'd love to answer those as well. So send me your questions. Finally, before we end today, in April, we have the Finding Peace Retreat. This is the fourth time that we've done the Finding Peace Retreat. We have gotten 4.9 out of 5 star reviews for the retreat from all the participants that have attended in the past. 
The participants have said that it was life-changing for them. It helped them be able to embark on the kind of changes that they want to make in their life so they can find greater peace, joy, and self-compassion for themselves. So if you want to learn more about that, you can go to the website findingpeaceacademy.com and you can learn more about the Finding Peace Retreat there. Thank you for listening. I wish you well on your journey of change. I'm hoping that you can figure out what stage of change you're at and what you can do to move to the next stage for yourself so that you can find the joy and the success that you're looking for. And may you have peace always. You've been listening to the Finding Peace Podcast. If you loved the show or want to ask a question, let us know by going to troylove.com. There, you can also learn about the Finding Peace 5-Day Challenge. Remember to subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss the next episode. And if you are listening on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating. It helps other people find this podcast more easily. Thank you for spending part of your journey with us. Copyright Finding Peace Consulting.